Hello, and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9 a.m. or for our more traditional service at 11 a.m. We also stream full services live on our Facebook page. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So I have a video that we're going to show you, but I want to introduce first what you're about to see. As we are beginning this new worship series on the spiritual gifts, and we've provided you the spiritual gift inventory access to that, what we are hoping is that this will be a time of illumination for us individually, but also collectively, to be able to learn what God has given to us and discover how we might use that more fruitfully or more fully. And so as we do that, I asked all of our staff and all of the members of our church council to take this inventory. I took it first, so to make sure that it was going to work. But it was wonderful to have them take it. And there were some surprises there. But then the more that we started to talk about it, people went, huh, maybe that is true. And so this morning, you're, and hopefully every Sunday, you're going to have an opportunity to receive the testimony of one of those people and how they are living out that gift. And so this morning, we decided to start with Bart. And so as we discuss wisdom and discernment this morning, Bart's going to share his testimony by video. It's ironic that to start this video series, I'm talking about the spiritual gift of wisdom when we have congregants like Paul Richards, Hank and Jolly Wheel, and Marie Shaw around who are much wiser than I, but here we are. According to the UMC Spiritual Gifts Inventory, wisdom is the gift of translating life experience into spiritual truth and of seeing the application of scriptural truth to daily living. The wise in our faith communities offer balance and understanding that transcend reason. I often find myself thinking, why did God put me in that spot? Or why did he set the stage for me to take on that role? There's something to learn and seemingly a connection or a lesson for me every single day. I'm constantly picking up or learning something that I can use somewhere else. I even find myself saying to other people when I am giving advice, I know it seems counterintuitive, but, and I think that's the gift of wisdom working. I've been putting a lot of different unique situations in my first 40 years of life with a number of organizations from sports teams to Christian fellowship groups to schools in order to learn some important spiritual truths so I can bring those to my work here at the church. At various points in that experience, I would have never thought it was leading me to work in a church and lead a youth group. And I know a lot of people around me that wouldn't have seen that coming either. But that's God. I have a lot of faith in my perspective and often my opinions because I firmly believe that God has put me in a lot of situations and had me learn, often the hard way, lessons that can help people in my various roles as a father, a husband, a church employee, and a coach. I believe in that experience because I believe in God and I trust that he's helped me form those opinions or that perspective. I can also sense when he's telling me I've got more to learn and I'm always open to that spiritual growth and evolution every single day. And I think that's wisdom in and of itself. Thank you, Bart, for sharing that. And so one of Bart's gifts is wisdom. And now 
wisdom, um, as defined, is the gift of wisdom which allows people to understand deeper meaning and apply knowledge, beliefs, and experience to everyday situations. Wise, gifted individuals make connections and help others make them as well to understand the implications of our beliefs and actions. Those gifted with wisdom often understand root causes of disagreements, conflict, and barriers to growth and development. People with wisdom help others understand and clarify options to make good decisions. And so this was very clearly, to me, one of Bart's gifts when it came up and he told me that because there are so many times where I'm either in a meeting with people or we're kind of standing around talking or we're a church council meeting and a bunch of people may be talking or sharing their opinions or offering their perspective, but inevitably somebody, sometimes me, will turn and say, well, Bart, what do you think? Because Bart always has this perspective that sometimes we've overlooked or we've just didn't even consider at all. And so he's able to give us a more full picture and help us all in the process of using our gifts, but also doing whatever task is before us. And so people who have that wisdom are precious to a church because otherwise it's like we're operating with only one eye open. Instead, we're able to have a deeper appreciation for where God may be leading us or what God is revealing to us, or especially, this is not going to be a good idea, maybe we should consider something else. And that's a precious gift to give not only to your church, but to give to anyone when you are in mission and ministry. And so we're grateful for people like Bart who do that. And that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he was reaching out in letter to the people in the church of Corinth. He was letting them know a deep, profound wisdom and truth. And that is that they have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to have these gifts and they need to use them. He's, he continues to go through what he's talking about, how these are specifically revealed to us because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. As those who follow Jesus Christ, he promised that he would not leave us orphaned, that he would send the Holy Spirit, the advocate, to those who follow him. And since Pentecost, he has kept his word. And continually over generations, the Holy Spirit has been poured out, sometimes formally through the sacrament of baptism, and sometimes informally by the Spirit of the Lord coming upon people as it was in the Old Testament. And speaking of the Old Testament, Paul reaches back into the prophetic words of Isaiah at verse 16 and says, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Who understands what God is thinking? God is so vast and powerful that we can't. The best we have is a glimpse that comes through the movement in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, as he declares, we have the mind of Christ. Christ has shared insight and wisdom with us, sometimes through gifted beings uh, who have the gift of wisdom. The other gift that sometimes is very helpful to have with wisdom is the gift of discernment. Discernment is a gift of deep intuition and insight. Discerning people can separate truth from fiction and know at a visceral level when people are being dishonest. Deeply sensitive and tuned in, those with the gift of discernment are open to feelings, new ideas, and intuition as valid and credible information. Discernment is not irrational, but transrational, beyond empirical knowledge. And so if you are fortunate enough to be serving with someone who has wisdom and someone who has discernment, you're probably on a much better path to success in whatever you are trying to bring to fruition. Discernment 
is vital to not only small groups within the church, but the church as a whole, because otherwise we can't tell if we're enacting our will or God's. And as Jesus prayed that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, your will be done. And so we are asking constantly, are we doing what we want or are we doing what God wants? And so we want to do that. And discernment is a gift that helps us to ensure that we are, that we're on the right path, that we haven't veered because suddenly our human inclinations, desires, wants, and sometimes our human needs are continually on our mind. Discernment is vital for a congregation that is choosing to live into evangelism and making new disciples in Jesus Christ's name to transform the world. Without discernment, a lot of people find that we're just doing things rather than fulfilling our call to ministry. So having these gifts is important, but someone has them. God never leaves a body of Christ without the right gifts. Those gifts are there. Now, as I said, your gifts might change over the course of your life. Now, some of them might actually be revealed or emerge more fully during the course of your life. But if at some point something happened to you and you could no longer utilize this gift, I have no doubt that God would give you a new gift or would help to transition you in a way that you could use alternative gifts in your life's work as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So when I saw what my results were, I was not surprised. However, if you had said to 15-year-old Sarah, who was uh, uh, just a youth member of Flores United Methodist Church in Herndon, Virginia, that those were my gifts, she would have thought that you were smoking some very strong hallucinogenic substance. And so what we discover is that sometimes by revealing the gifts, God is actually inviting and encouraging us to step in and use them. You already have them. You don't have to figure out how to obtain them. You have them. And God often draws together or puts people through the cajoling of the Holy Spirit in places where they can use their gifts. Just like Bart said, sometimes I'm like, why am I here? And it's because God has put me in a place to use my gifts. And that's, a, that's exactly what we need. The role of the church in American society is changing because we have multiple generations now that don't know anything about Jesus Christ. They don't know who our Lord and Savior is, and they're not really interested in finding out, which means that the function of the church and how we are going to continue to share the good news and bring the grace of Jesus Christ to others is now incumbent upon us to think differently, to act differently, and to love in a way that conveys very strongly the love of Jesus Christ. And without the gifts of the body being utilized, then we couldn't do that. And now some of the gifts throughout the course of Christianity have been very apparent, and some of them have even been prioritized in people's minds. No gifts are better than any other, but they are all vital to the whole. So we need all of them. If you haven't had a chance to take that spiritual inventory, I hope that you will. And if the technology is an inhibitor for you, there actually is one that can be proctored in person, and I have the ability to do that for you. So if you reach out to me, I can come, and I can, or you can come to me, and we'll make sure to get that so that you can have those. And knowing them, it helps you to feel more confident, more able to step up and use those. I mean, if, if someone has the gift of discernment and they've ever wondered whether they should speak up in a meeting, once they realize that they have that gift, it's like, yes, 
This is why God has given me this gift, to help us in the discernment process. Not that I might squander it on myself and only make sound decisions when I'm at home, but that I can make sound decisions and help others do so in God's home and in the world. These are vital opportunities for us to truly have our legacy. You know, the world has a different view on what knowledge and truth are. You'll notice that it's wisdom and not knowledge. You can gain knowledge through a number of ways, but you can only gain divine wisdom because God chooses to give it to you. You can't just go out and get it. You can't get it online. You can't get it through a university. You can't get it through experience. It's a gift from God. And the good news is that God wants to give you these gifts. God has desired to enrich you that you might be a blessing. God wants you to be successful as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, there are other theologies in the world about God testing you or putting obstacles and barriers in front of you, but everything I have read about Jesus Christ in the four gospel accounts leads me to believe that Jesus was trying to make straight the path to the Lord and that Jesus was trying to set us free that we might walk that path and build this kingdom. And our gifts are the means by which we do that. And you might not even realize the vital gifts that you are holding within. You might not even be aware that that's you. And sometimes that's the revelation. I didn't think that I could ever be clergy. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, did you all ever have to do the thing where you take a test and it like gives you ideas of what your future occupation could be? I remember that. Guess what was never an option? Clergy was never an option. I had lots of things come up, never the ones that I wanted, like oceanographer, and certainly not the one that I have, like clergy. And so everything that it told me was a whole bunch of gunk, not like what I'm asking you to take, because those who are wise and discerning within the global denomination of the United Methodist Church have put together an inventory, a way for you to answer questions honestly and quickly about how you feel or how you are made to feel about certain things that happen within life and within the life of the church. And then your answers are able to be aggregated into your gifts. And like I said, you probably have three pretty amazing primary gifts. Not that your secondary gifts are any less amazing, but being able to use all six would truly put you on a path of building the kingdom. Now, I don't know anybody who uses all six uh, consistently, but I would love to be surprised on that. I would love to find out that you absolutely are using all six of your spiritual gifts consistently. And so as we are going through this series and we're gonna be talking about what the gifts are and we'll cover what they all are. As I said, the United Methodist Church has identified 20 coming from four different scriptures, which we will cover during the course of our series, but also cover some other scriptures as well. And these scriptures are grounding us in what God has already spoken and what God is continuing to reiterate to us, that God has chosen us to be blessed that we might bless. We are not chosen to be greater than other people. We are chosen to serve in a way that is particular to each and every one of us. The church is one of the few places in the world where radical diversity is the point. There are plenty of places where if you come, they want to make you meld into who they are. They want you to take on their characteristics, their virtues, their way of doing things that you might become more homogeneous. But that's not the way it is in the church. God has given us 20 different gifts 
that all of us might reflect the diversity and the multiplicity that we have, not only from our Creator, who has revealed God's self in three different persons of the Trinity, but in the multiplicity that we see in the creation that God has given us. The more diverse the church became in the early days, the more effective the church was. In the beginning, you had 12 guys who were all Judean Jews from up there in Galilee, and that's what they were. They were very homogeneous. And while Jesus was able through preaching and teaching and the working of miracles to make people into believers and have them transform their hearts and their minds, those who had come to be a part of his inner circle didn't start to see effectiveness until they reached out beyond. Once Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven, the early apostles were trying to stay homogeneous. They were still in the temple. They were still living a Jewish life. It wasn't until God started to force them to branch out that the church really started to explode and be invigorated and kindled with the passion and the fire of the Holy Spirit. In fact, they were so locked into who they were and where they had come from that God had to take their greatest enemy, Saul, and transform him into Paul to bring in the very people that never crossed their minds to consider. And Paul, who had clearly been given wisdom, was able to say, the Gentiles are included. You need to include them. And suddenly, churches all over the Mediterranean coastline, all over the empire of Rome, were exploding with membership and transformation and people who were giving their lives to our Lord and Savior. That kind of incredible explosive growth is exactly what the church needs, but is also what is required of us. We are required to continue to share what we have learned. We are required to give our testimony about who God is to us. And if you paid careful attention to what Bart said, infused with what he said was his faith in God, with his recognition that God has been active in his life. It's a beautiful thing to see that as he's giving his testimony about one of his spiritual gifts, he's also giving his testimony about God. That's God at work. That is exactly what we're called to do. And our world is building something completely different from what we are called to build. I mean, you don't have to live in Crozet for very many years to see that the world is actively building. The world is building. It is building things that it can see as tangible. It is building things that it sees as commodities. It is building things that are grounded in wealth and power and privilege. And that is not the kingdom that we are called to build. The kingdom that we are called to build is not one that is marked by earthly wealth. The kingdom that we have been called to build is not one that is about power and privilege and earthly authority. It is about welcoming all. It is about inviting every single human who is sacred and beloved in God's sight to be on this journey with us, not only as we build, but as we go forth. Because a lot of us think about what is my life going to mean? At the end of my life, at the end of the day, what does my life mean? And if you've ever wondered, has my life had an impact? Are people going to remember me? Has any of this struggle and hardship or success and celebration, has it been worth it? 
Being a Christian is the greatest thing you can ever do because everything that the world has built according to the book of Revelation will end and be gone. But what you build as a disciple of Jesus Christ and the kingdom that we build together, that will never end. That is eternal. And the earth is constantly trying to tell us, the world is constantly trying to infuse with us a different standard of what is important. You'll notice that the spiritual gift of wisdom did not require that Bart go to seminary or that Bart get a PhD in theology. It was given to him. He didn't need a degree or a diploma. He wasn't required to have so many years of his life. He's younger than I am. He's only required to believe in Jesus Christ and to be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit within him and his life. That's what God's asking from each and every one of us. Do you love me? And are you willing to be part of the kingdom that I am building? Because those will be your greatest legacy. We don't join churches just so there will be somebody to stand in a pulpit one day and eulogize us when we are dead. In fact, you don't need a church for that at all. We are a part of the body of Christ because our lives are our eulogy. When you have been a Christian and you have been using the gifts and you have been building the kingdom and you have been sharing the love and grace of Jesus Christ, when people gather to mourn you, whether it's in a church or not, your legacy is the impact that you have had upon them and the building of the kingdom that you have done in your life. And it's never too late to start building the kingdom. Never. Sarah was 90 when she had her kid. I am certainly not ever trying to replicate that. But you realize that it's never too late. When the world, when life, when nature said it was too late, God said, I can do this. And then we had Isaac. And Isaac and Rebecca had their children and their children until we got not only the nation of the Israelites, but we got our spiritual ancestors, the Jews. And from them came our Lord and Savior. So yes, your life and your fulfilling the spiritual gifts that God has given to you matter. They make a difference. And while you may not be able to see the full scope of the impact, I assure you that the day will come when you are in that city on the hill, in the kingdom of Zion to come, and you will be able to see. When all of the world is washed away and replaced by the kingdom to come, when the cornerstone is replaced by the capstone, what we'll discover is that your faith has actually been your greatest legacy. Because I've never been to a funeral or I've never officiated a service of death or resurrection and I've never offered a eulogy where people were comforted to know where you went to college. They might be impressed, they might be tired of hearing about it, but that's not what gives people comfort. What gives people comfort is knowing you and knowing that you knew Jesus Christ and knowing that your faith was so strong and your relationship so interwoven into who you were that there is no doubt that the promise of the resurrection is true for you, and it gives them hope in their time of need. So yes, your gifts matter. They matter a lot. And because I know what my gifts are, I know what my gifts 
aren't. There are 20 spiritual gifts that are outlined, and I only have six of them, which means that I definitely need you. It means that we need each other. The body cannot exist if it is in conflict. The body needs to be united with a purpose, and our body's purpose is to live. And the body of Christ's purpose is to live in Jesus Christ. We have the mind, we have the spirit, we have to have the will, individually and collectively, to do these things. And as you figure out what your gifts are, and as we go through these series, it might be illuminating to go, that's me. I never realized that before. That's me. Or you could have that wonderful transformative experience where you go, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was me. Could that be me? Can I be that person? Yes, you can. The scriptures are full of people who didn't think they could do it. Abraham, Moses, Job, Jonah. I know I'm with a lot of guys, but let's just be honest what I'm playing with here. There are a lot of guys and there are a lot of women who also couldn't imagine being God's servant. Esther couldn't imagine. Ruth wasn't doing what she was doing because she thought that she was serving God. She thought she was in a relationship with Naomi, who, by the way, was serving God. And what we discover is that you are living into something that is the greatest thing that you could ever have. It will never be gone from you. Never. I don't think Jesus is going to ask you about your formal education and years of experience when you get to the kingdom to come. I think Jesus is going to ask you, did you love others as you have been loved? Do you love me? Do you want to be here? Do you want my grace? If those answers are affirmative, then I think that's more than enough. But in order to be able to say with all that we are, with every fiber of our beings, that the answer is yes to any and all of those questions, we have to confront who we are. So many times in the life of the church, it's been about confronting that we are sinners. Well, yeah. Do you watch the news? We're sinners. We absolutely are. And if you've ever studied human history, congratulations, you've got a lot of proof that we're sinners. You also have a lot of proof that people can overcome their sinfulness. You also have a lot of proof that even in the overwhelming darkness and despair of hatred and violence and suffering in this world, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. You can see these things. The world has already been changed and impacted by Christianity, but it is not done. Jesus tells us that the best is yet to come. We serve a God who declares boldly in the book of Revelation, I am making all things new. And that includes us. We are being regenerated day by day. Not only sanctified by the movement and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are being offered the opportunity to live into these gifts today as we did not tomorrow and yesterday. We are given an opportunity each day to change how we look at what we have been given. And today is but one more opportunity to thank God for what we have been given and to use it, not selfishly, but selflessly. There are plenty of people who have used their gifts for their own advancement. There are plenty of people within Christianity who have taken their spiritual gifts and they have used them to amass great fortunes and wealth. 
They have used them to amass power and authority and privilege over others. But by far, they are the minority. Most of Christianity has been about like people like you and me who have decided to embrace these gifts and see each day as an opportunity to be who Christ has created us to be. You were created before you ever knew Jesus Christ. You were created as a human being and you were precious in God's sight. But when you came to understand Jesus Christ, when you came to understand that his grace is yours and that he loves you and he is living and wants to be with you, then you were recreated. You were born anew. And each day you can regenerate. Each day is an invitation, but it is also a call. When you wake up in the morning, no matter whether you're one of those people that springs forth from the bed or you're one of those who likes to take a good half a day to get ready to go out, no matter who you are, the moment you realize that it is a new day, God's grace is with you. God's Holy Spirit is upon you. And your spirit within is ready and able to use the gifts that have come from God. And if you don't use them, not only are you not blessed, but others suffer. If those who are given the gifts of wisdom and discernment stay silent, if they stay apart, if they don't come and they aren't a part of the discussions, if they aren't a part of the life of the church, if they aren't a part of the decision-making, then not because we want to be wrong, but because we will not be illuminated, churches will make poor decisions. They will choose to invest their time and their energy in things that are not fruitful. They will wither and they will die. That's how important those gifts are. And the other gifts are important too. And as our series continues, you will see that there is a place for all of us, not just in the kingdom to come, but here as we build. We need them all. Think about all the people it took just to build this sanctuary. You had people with all kinds of special gifts, people who were able to handle the finances, people who were able to be architects and the visioning, people who were able to be construction workers and actually build with masonry or build with woodworking, people who could do electrical work. All of their gifts had to come together just to build a building. How much more so will a diversity of gifts be necessary to build the kingdom? And God has given us everything we need. God says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. I have already given you what you need. You just need to use it. And you can. I wouldn't be here before you if people just like you hadn't used their gifts. As I was growing up, as I was discovering a call to ministry, and right now in our midst, there may be somebody else who doesn't know what God has in store for them, but your gifts are part of that revelation. You are the embodiment of the hope of the world because your gifts move us that much closer to God. And that's what we need. We need to step away from the things that are drawing our attention away from God, and we need to come together, not just with the mind of Christ, but with the heart of our Lord and Savior.
that we can do what is before us. Because I doubt any of us, 50 years from now, want to know that all of the hard work that went into this building was for nothing. We don't want it to sit empty, and we don't want it to be relegated to just an empty space. We want to ensure that what we are doing in here and building out there is bringing the kingdom closer day by day, inch by inch, life by life. And you are the way in which God will do that. So it take upon you the authority to discover your gifts and know that when you use them, you are surrounded by members of this body of Christ who will not just support you, but encourage you and journey with you. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.